Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them, and also why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode 32, and it's coming at you on November 13th, 2018, and it is a Monday, not a Friday, so it's not creepy. So there. My name is Chase Strollberg, and I'm joined by Stu Critter. Yeah, yeah, way cool. to make way to make it creepy. I I didn't it's not creepy. That's the thing. It's not creepy. It's November. It's a Monday. There's nothing weird going on except for Detective Pikachu who's a little weird. I don't know if you watched that trailer. It's a little weird. But other than that, everything's good. Everything's good. You didn't watch it. No, you're, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's oh, just so pure lucky. creepy. You're so lucky. Oh, you just wait. Someday, someday you will engage with a person who really enjoys that film. Uh, <laughs> wow. I almost got really personal there. I'm going to stop. <laughs> That's too bad. This is the yeah. right place. It's okay. good to be personal when the ambiance is definitively <laughs> creepy. Okay. So then, <laughs> due to your penchant to date immature women, <laughs> the likelihood of you encountering someone who wants you to sit wants, down and watch yeah. Detective Pikachu is pretty pretty high that, that's fair it's very prominent um not that i'm saying whoever it is that you are engaged with right now is immature but based on your past history um and hopefully your past exes are not listening um <laughs> that said that said Stu, how are you <laughs> i'm doing pretty well how are you today i am doing so well this didn't i didn't mean for this to turn into a personal attack i don't know how we got here how did we get here <laughs> i'm not even drunk like <laughs> what is happening um yes by the way i like you as a person i respect you um i know yeah. chase i know okay, that good. i know that. okay cool so yeah everybody everybody who's new um just try to gloss over that 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 <laughs> really weird start and uh we'll just sort of jump into the meat of the show but if you don't know what the meat of the show is um this is learn from gaming podcast the intent is uh each week, Stu and I each pick a game uh, that we like and that we feel that we learn something from, and we just sort of dissect it. We take it apart and we discuss sometimes the academic side of things. So, like, okay, this, you know, maybe I actually gained some reading skills from this game, or maybe I really learned geography, but also um, just some other interesting life lessons and uh, nuggets of value that we feel we took away from a game. So that's kind of the core of what we're trying to do here. Um, if it's for you, awesome. Stick around. I promise I won't get so weird later on. <laughs> that's don't believe that. Don't. That's not. He's No, that's not true. Because, uh, yeah, that was just a weird start. Okay. So um, do you have anything you want to talk about off the top? You, you feel free to attack me because <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why um, I brought up what I brought up. Um, no, no, I'm I'm good. Okay. God, thank you for not bringing up my stash of secret chocolate bars. I appreciate that. Um, I have a stash of secret chocolate bars in my drawer. It's, uh, not, a, it's not a secret. Not anymore. Now the internet knows. Um, so I think what we're going to move into, we're going to move into what we learned this month. So this is the segment of the show where we discuss things that we learned about gaming this month. Um, uh, there's a few things that happened. I'm interested to see what shows up on your radar. I've got some very unexpected things that showed up on my <laughs> radar. Um, 
But uh, Stu and I both love tech and gaming news. So remember, if you want us to discuss any any tech or gaming news that you might have, feel free to send it to us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. And we will read whatever you send us on the air and then discuss the article. So, um, Stu, do you want to start? Uh, why don't you start? I got a couple of like small weird things and we'll see we'll see see if you if you bump into them as well or not okay well um i've got a few things um one of the things that i'm going to include in the show notes is nintendo officially launched a um it's uh i guess kind of a learning initiative and it's trying to get labo into uh classrooms and i mean it's gonna work (laughs) it's gonna work for any For any affluent classroom, like, um, I'm sorry if, you know, like, not everybody's going to be able to afford it, but um, Institute of Play and Nintendo have teamed up uh, to try and get uh, Nintendo Switches, specifically the, the Labo application, into into classrooms. Um, like, right now, and they actually have a curriculum. Like, they have a curriculum, they have uh, custom software uh, to go with the hardware, which is cardboard. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's just, it's, it's an interesting initiative. I'm going to make sure that there's a link in the show notes, but, uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of it. Um, I mean, it's not hard to try to sell, uh, the educational value of Labo. Uh, but what's kind of funny is a, a few people sort of felt like it was a dud. But I mean, this is like game criticism folk who some of them don't have kids, right? Um, and some of them are just like, yeah, I tried to play Labo and it was kind of boring. It's like, well, you're really not the target audience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're like a 35 to 50 year old man or woman um, who doesn't have kids. Like, put it in front of a kid, see what happens. Um, so not that I'm trying, wow, I am throwing shit on everybody today. What is going on? (laughs) Just, just laying it out. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was interesting. I'm excited about it. It's something that a lot of people predicted was, was going to happen. I didn't expect, uh, I didn't expect this initiative to like reach deep into schools. I thought it would be like, um, something that like uh, uh tech camps do or like uh, so there's like summer computer oh, okay. camps stuff like that yeah. um i was kind of expecting that i wasn't expecting it to get right into the classroom but i actually think that's pretty cool um i i think there's the thing that i think i'm most excited about or can see the most promise in is the way you used to have like the av club that kind of thing going on and now we see the like that demographic has grown up and now we have hacker spaces all around yes and yeah. i think the integration of that especially with the prevalence of 3d printing um there could be some really 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 cool integration between 3d printing and and like what labo is trying to do um and all of that stuff i, I don't think it's going to be corporate driven i think it's going to be a lot of um, ground up you're gonna see like little pockets of incredibly cool shit going on yeah yeah if and even i mean if it even gets covered right like yeah even if it doesn't like the like it, that's the, the kind value, of thing that can yeah. happen and it's really cool yeah and like the the value of those experiences for those groups of people is going to be like incalculable 
yeah. right? Like that, and it's just it's great. It's like the value of play. If there was ever a question, like if there was ever a question mark, like do video games or do these peripherals bring value to people's lives? I I believe that this sort of initiative will make it pretty clear that yeah, you can learn something. You can learn something and you can take something away that you feel good about. So, and that's kind of what we're here to talk about. So yeah. I, I really, really liked um, stumbling on that. I mean, it's also, I mean, if you want to get into the cynical side of it, like, of course, Nintendo was going to aim at schools. Like, it makes sense. Um, and there are some schools that will be able to pay the prices that they're asking. And it's... I I can't feel too negative about it because it's still just an awesome practice. It's it's sort of like the Apple II revolution all over again, just trying to get this stuff into the classrooms and have kids engage with it. So yeah, and and even if it is a case, well, especially if it is a case of the pilot program is expensive, but once most of it's ironed out and the wrinkles have been kicked around and and sorted out, then it becomes more affordable and and can you can make it more widespread. Then uh, that would be a wonderful thing. Yeah, and that's a really good point. I mean, the the longer uh, the switch is successful, and it's not going, it's not going away. They have no plan to like phase it out and and start the next generation. Like generation cycles now for consoles are, yeah. I don't know. It's it feels like forever. The, the, <laughs> um, this current one is, I think, seven to to eight years. Yeah. So, um, that's a long time. And even after that, there's still support. Like Nintendo has always been very, very good about supporting its previous generation, uh, moving forward. So I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of stuck hoping that eventually they move to that kind of supporting as a service rather than, you know, in a few years, like the (laughs) governments and, and organizations like the educational system take a lot of time to work things yeah. out. So if they buy into a program now and they get a bunch of hardware, in six years they'll be reevaluating, and that's when Nintendo is going to say, "Okay, here's your new system that you're going to have to pay for." Then the the program is going to get dropped really here's, fast. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a story. I'll just it, it's a really quick story and it's very easy um, because I'm involved in a number of uh, retro gaming communities. I know someone who sent their Super Nintendo a two thousand or a nineteen nineties like like late eighties, early nineties device to Nintendo and they still fixed it. Last year. Like they support all of their previous hardware to this day. And they can. Well let's hope that they continue to do that as well as whatever they work out with the educational systems. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I would be <laughs> Like it's not just uh, peanuts. It's not just like some dude's SNES. It's it's gonna be a big deal. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I I, I mean, chaining themselves with the Institute of uh, what is it? Institute of Play. Um, yeah, Institute of Play. I think that they're like the fact that there's more than one party involved. Like there'll be the schools. There'll be Nintendo, who's really just the, the corporation. Um, but also like the software designer and then there'll be, uh, the Institute of play. So I think the Institute of play sort of like the middleman who will kind of uh, make everything smooth for both ends. Like we'll understand how to engage with Nintendo and we'll understand like how to placate and satisfy, uh, teachers. Oh, and my dog's dying. Here's hoping. Right? Oh, well, here's hoping the first part, not the dog. 
Save the dog. No, it's okay. He's getting old. Um, he can. <laughs> you can pass on anytime you want. <laughs> okay, so um, here, let's see. It's awfully dark in your house today. Holy shit! <laughs> it's because I live in a basement. Um, so here, let's see. Uh, uh, do you have anything else before I jump into another uh, story? Nope. Next story. Okay, so. Um, Shout out to Geek Therapy community for this one, um, but uh, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole uh, looking into the positive impact of playing Tetris, um, and I popped, I actually, um, I came out with two articles, and one of them was, um, actually there's two of them, so one of them's like, I think it's the Oxford, oh, I'm going to pull them both up, I should open them already, but I did not. Right, one of one of them's from the university University of Oxford, and man, I love when it's an academic site because they'll usually cite exactly where their findings are coming from. Yeah. So this is a really nice article from uh, March twenty eighth, two thousand seventeen, and it it basically just discusses how Tetris uh, can be used to prevent pro, uh, post traumatic stress syndromes. So it's uh, it's like if you can recognize what your triggers are, um, and if you can feel that sort of um, anxiety or the, the types of attacks or feelings that, that come on from pro or post-traumatic stress, the best, well, not the best, but the, the suggestion of this article is that playing a game like Tetris or specifically Tetris, and there are so many ways to play Tetris that it, it like you can figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, having access to that, um, it basically eases your mind and occupies it and can, uh, can get you out of those sort of destructive cycles um, or disruptive cycles, um, depending on the nature of the trauma. So that is like a really, really cool article. I'll make sure that um, I put that in the show notes uh, and just some, I would argue, like some great news for gaming. Um, and there's like a flip side to it as well. Uh uh, there was an, and by flip side, not like negative side to it. Like there's an additional layer to it. Um, further study was able to confirm that, uh, of course this also works for stress. So if you want to reduce stress in your life or you feel like you can't get to sleep cause you're thinking about stuff too much, play a little bit of Tetris as you're going to sleep. Um, <laughs> just to sort of wipe your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, because what it does is it forces you to, um, and this is sort of interesting. This is, uh, something that not a lot of people realize is, uh, some of the best players in Tetris, you fi- you figured this out is that you're, you should always be thinking about the next piece, right? The, the piece that's coming next, not the piece that you're actually placing, because by the time that the piece that you're placing is on the board and is coming down, um, you really want to know what your next step is because you basically already thought about where that's going. And what that does is it engages your brain by, a pr- I, I believe it's like two steps, right? So you're, you're already consuming two things. Your brain can only handle so much. Yeah. And so then it's just like a massage, like as you, as you do it, it just sort of, and this is just like Chase doing horrible layman explanation of what's actually going on. But, uh, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, so, the website, that, or like the National Public Radio uh, uh, article, 
I'll make sure to include that as well. And it's just in the Your Health section. So that that was posted November 5th, 2018, and it's how to ease a worrying mind with Tetris. And I I just, like, both of these articles, I think they're awesome. And they do a good job of citing um, where some of their material is coming from. The NPR article is a little bit shorter, um, not as impressive, but at least it gives reference to who's doing the studying, and where you can find more information on it if you really want to dive deep into it. So, yeah, uh, definitely stayed away from negative articles this week or this month. So, yeah, that's uh, that's what I got. Do you have any questions or any thoughts, Stu? Nope. Okay, nope, cool. nope, nope. Um, so that, that that's it for your articles this week, month, year? <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, like, I mean, there's, we yeah, had an, right. we've had an interesting news cycle, um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, like in terms of, in terms of learning, that's what I wanted to discuss. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was just going to mention the, uh, Nintendo w- winning 12 million from ROM sites. Oh, um, that did happen. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you're going to bring up, uh bring up the diablo uh mobile debacle but yeah not like, it's, it's not super bright. it's hilarious yeah, yeah look it up on the yeah it's just it's a bunch of grown men behaving badly um oh it's so funny yeah uh but uh yes um if you are someone who was hoping to find any website on the internet that had roms on it Good luck. And by ROMs, I mean Nintendo ROMs. And if you are someone who curates and operates a, a website that has Nintendo ROMs on it, remove it quickly because yeah. this lawsuit has set a precedent. Yeah. This is it's the new future. Like this is what this is what is going to happen moving forward. And you had best believe that Nintendo will continue to pursue these types of lawsuits Aggressively. because it's a, yeah. It's in their best interest, right? They continue to release their original software. Yeah, it really is. Um, because, re- the, like, I know you don't have a Switch. I know you probably didn't have a Wii U. You probably didn't even have a Wii. Um, you don't have a DS. I know I tried to give you one <laughs> so that you would play Pokemon with me. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, they are starting to get really good at bringing back their uh, their past software and one of the biggest hit hiccups of the infrastructure that they're using for um their their classic uh their classic consoles which they have also brought into the switch it's all the same software it's all the same programming mm-hmm. um is it's very easy to crack it and throw new roms on um so instead of coding so that you can't do that because it's a little too much work they just go directly for the roms if you can't get them it's not a problem yeah right and yeah, they I, they I don't just, mind yeah they, they don't mind throwing money at lawsuits because that's what they're good at uh it just comes down to um to me that some of those games they <laughs> I'd be surprised if they revived every single game in their library. Oh, absolutely not. No, the so licensed stuff, there, they're never yeah, going to get again. So yeah. there will be stuff that is just now not available. Yeah, but oh, and 
I mean, this without is the, looking the hard. it's yeah, it's the vicious <laughs> circle. It's yeah. the vicious circle of the preservationist versus the player versus the pirate, mm-hmm. right? Um, like there are some people who just want to be able to play these games. There are some people who want to try and preserve them and they feel that if you don't have access to the ROMs, you're not going to be able to preserve them. And then there are people who just don't want to pay for anything. Um, and honestly, the preservationists already have them, right? Um, most of the pirates already have them, them. (laughs) but, um, and the, the people who want to play or want to just get a hit of that nostalgia, like if you missed the boat on getting ROMs while they were around, uh, if I can be polite, there's still lots of ways to get them, yeah. right? Just not websites. Just yeah, like use your imagination and you can probably figure it out for yourself. But um, not to say that it isn't as easy to track anymore because even even things like, well, I'll say it out loud. Even things like torrenting, like you can still be tracked. Like that, that has been sorted out. Like people can figure out if you're torrenting stuff, but they're not going to come and charge you directly. They're going to charge wherever the like the source came from, wherever the seed came from. Although that would be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if once like their Nintendo is done smacking down ROMs, they start trying to uh, hit torrent sites for providing the option to torrent off of them. I feel like the law for torrenting is very messy and not it like really is. Leg- legislature or le- not legislature, uh, like just law, uh, it, law involving the internet has, is just so far behind. Yep. Like it has not caught up. They're probably still dealing with shit like Napster. <laughs> and that, they think that that's contemporary. Um, like the, uh, one of the best videos I saw, um, in I think the last little last few months was, um, the um the main guy from facebook in congress explaining what had happened um when uh analytics what was it oxford analytics uh basically manipulated facebook to uh to shift to shift opinion and shift votes um and there was a senator like (laughs) the 67 year old senator who's just like trying to figure out and he was he was republican he's just like how do you make money how do you make money with facebook and oh mark zuckerberg he just looks at him and he said we have ads (laughs) it's just like yeah like the disconnect for the people who are involved in creating laws and passing laws in the states um and it's not much better in canada it's a little bit better you get a younger PM. Sometimes he brings in like a younger staff to help uh, push forward that legislature, but it's it's still not. Everybody's always a step behind. Yeah. Um, yes. So yeah, that is it's really fascinating news, but it's also sort of like uh, we had a good run. Let's put it that way, <laughs> right? Between yeah. like from two thousand until now. Yeah. Um, that's a long time to get access to everything from the past. Um, well, and I mean, people are, um, especially cause we've seen so much, um, threat to freedom online. Um, those lovely hacker spaces, people are, uh, you know, prepping their own little, um, basically their own little intranets and, yeah. You know, it doesn't take too much scoping around to find local ones, as long as you don't live in the middle of nowhere. Um, yep. You know, that that stuff is around, so. 
Yeah. <laughs> yep. I've got a I've got a corporate internet. <laughs> <coughs> um but that's uh that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um Mm, oh god i want to i want to dive into net neutrality stuff but now is really not the time um oh stew the things that the things that uh internet providers can do in the states now are horrible oh yeah of course um oh they were they were throttling throttling the data on firefighter remote units um <laughs> then encouraging them, encouraging them to update their uh, their data plans oh, during wow. wildfire season. Yeah, well, you know what? That's, That's capitalism. Yeah, suck it up, I bitches. Oh, wow, I couldn't fucking believe it. It's like people are dying. Property is getting like ruined. Yeah, yeah but, exactly. Uh, so and Verizon's so, like, you should update your plan because yeah. <laughs> well, we're we're throttling your internet right now. You yeah. can't use any more data. So, so oh, thanks, thanks for yes, good job, Faye. Eat that, Mike. Um, but that's that's exactly when they're gonna do that kind of shit. Yeah, man. It, it doesn't matter be... during the off season. Oh, people's lives are in danger. Yeah, fuck you. Give us money. Yeah, just nuts, <laughs> just nuts. Um, so that's that's going to court. But uh, yeah, maybe they learned their lesson because that was last season, not this season, which has been so much worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, why don't we shift into yeah. <laughs> what we learned from Happy gaming? News. All right, what we learned from gaming? Yeah, sorry uh, for everybody. Um, it's just it's it's kind of hard sometimes to get away from some of the darker news cycles. Uh, we try to stay upbeat, but uh, there's a lot going on. <laughs> So, um, we're going to shift into the next section. Which um, yeah, is... okay. Uh, um, oh, no, and po- you've got... Positive news. You... Uh, yep. Extra Life made a shit ton of money this year. So that is a big Good deal. job, everybody. Sick kids that are happy. That is a big deal. Um, that is such a big deal. Uh, do you want to do, you wanna do like, a little bit of a pitch for it? Because you did do some work for Extra Life. Uh, yeah, we did do a 24-hour stream. Um, the, sorry, I'm, I just wanted to throw it something like happy for it let me quick look at how much we've raised collectively um a lot shit why guys your website make it easier to find the thing they even sent out an email i couldn't find anything (laughs) on your website i had to go to your twitter i had to go to your twitter (laughs) um but yeah whole, whole lot of money it was millions it's good yeah that's great uh, it is actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people. What What was hard for me is um, I knew so many people this year a lot, contributing. Yeah, a ton of people. Like more and more people are taking part, which is good. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's just I like had to pick and choose who I was throwing money at. Um, and I still have to throw money at someone. Wink. You nudge, too. nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean it all goes to the same place, so it's yeah, not a big yeah, deal. But um, uh, it just—it's where the distribution goes. Like I want to support uh, for us, uh, for you specifically. I want to support McMaster Hospital, uh, Children's Hospital specifically. Like that's—it's close to home, um, yeah. and they do incredible work. Um, so uh, so yeah yeah. If you haven't donated yet, or you were living under a rock and didn't notice that the extra life uh, fundraising was occurring, uh, they take donations all the time, all year so, round. Uh, and and we have a, talked about how cool it is for yeah. sick kids to be able to have access to video games. It's um, 
Well, it yeah, yeah. Among other things. Yeah, it does. Uh, so. It's it's not just a fund for video games for kids. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I know. But it's uh, it's good. It's very good. Yeah. And if yeah. and like if I can donate money for kids, fucking anyone can. <laughs> a little, a little on the inside. Stu doesn't hate children, but he's not. He's not for them. <laughs> I mean, if we were making teams. Yeah, it, yeah. Like if, uh, <laughs> let's just say he has, he has like, he has sundered his own personal relationships <laughs> over that specific topic. So, um, but we're getting a little too on the inside. Uh, okay. Let's get into what we learned from gaming, yes. man. Okay. We're going to do it. Back so, um, now for what you've all, why am I reading this off the page? Okay. Look, <laughs> we're going to talk about games. So, um, if you're here, to try and figure out what game we played it is a mystery <laughs> Stu doesn't know what i'm covering i don't know what he's covering we didn't share notes i don't think it's going to be too crazy or too weird but it might be Stu, i'm giving you the option do you want to go first or do you want to go last i'm promising you i don't have anything too crazy um uh let's do you first today Okay, so we are doing me first, which means, Stu, we are going to talk about gotcha games, and we are going to talk about mobile games, and we are going to talk about my game, which is Brave Frontier. So, Brave Frontier, for anybody who doesn't know, was designed by Alim, which is a, a Japanese uh, mobile designer, and was published by Alim and Gumi. So, Alim did most of the Japanese publishing, and Gumi did the worldwide distribution. Um, so it, uh, it was initially released December, 2013. I wouldn't encounter it until about, I think it was July, June, um, 2014. And at that point the game had developed pretty well by then, but I was still able to get in without too much trouble. Um, what kind of game is it? It is a JRPG gotcha game. So it's sort of a hybrid, um, what does that mean? Well, in terms of core mechanics, uh, what you do is you build a party and engage in turn-based combat against monsters and even teams of other players. The, the other players aren't actually playing. You just get to fight against their team in an arena. It's one of the different game modes. Uh, I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, so you form your teams using gotcha mechanics and leveling systems, which allow you to unlock new characters but also... Um, also sort of create them uh this game also has an elemental wheel so it's uh it, it's got things like um i mean if we're talking color so like yellow green red blue yellow is lightning green is earth or nature red is fire blue is water and then there's two more stew and they are black and white which is sort of <laughs> sort of like life and death mm -hmm. Um, and each of these has an opposition. Um, if you look at like the, the actual wheel, uh, I believe, and don't 100% quote me on this, but, um, so red beats green, green beats blue. Yeah. Green beats, beats blue, blue beats yellow, yellow beats red, I think. 
Oh my god. I don't know. And then white or black and white beat each other. But anyways, there's at least you you always have one elemental weakness and one thing that you're strong against. Um, unless it's black and white, in which case they're just strong against each other and have no other weaknesses. Um, so when I say gotcha, um, gotcha, it isn't just like, ha got you. Like I got the thing that I wanted, even though that's sort of the interpretation. Now, uh, the term gotcha or gotcha, uh, eventually came from old Japanese vending machines, toy vending machines, which are actually still in Japan now. Uh, called Gashapon or Gachapon. Um, and you put money in and you just sort of hope that you're going to get the toy that you want. You see a few of these uh, still in like diners and stuff in the U.S. Sometimes you'll see them at like uh, movie theaters where like you can actually see what's in the vending machine. Like you, there's a there's sort of images of it and it's usually like pop popular characters or like just little rubber toys of like something that you recognize um and that's exactly the concept you put money in and you just sort of gamble on the opportunity to get what you want and gachapon or gachapon is like it's it's the loot crate mechanic man like it is literally that this is where it came from um not this game but that like that concept uh you know what you can win or you have an idea of what you can win um, and you just keep, uh, you keep throwing money at it until you get it. Um, so, uh, what did Saga, Fr- or not Saga Frontier, what did Brave Frontier do, um, that made it easy to start making such bad decisions? Um, well, uh, first off it had sort of an appealing art style and it had some familiar mechanics like, um, for anybody who's not paying attention, uh, if you're ever just like, well, where are all the good JRPGs going? There's only like one or two coming out a year. That's because for every one or two triple ARP or JRPG that comes out, (laughs) there are hundreds, (laughs) hundreds on mobile. And some of them are good. Some of them aren't. Um, some of the, like there's very, uh, varying levels of polish. Like it's, it's, it's crazy to see the scene shift in the same way that um like if you want a turn-based uh like a turn-based tactical experience you can find it on mobile i can't guarantee it's good and i but i can guarantee you they're gonna try and make some money off you um oh yeah it's it's such an interesting wild and in in many ways exploitive uh, exploitive, sorry, not exploitive. So I could swear, but uh, exploitive like market, um, and sometimes you fall for it. So um, one of the things about this game was it was very easy to approach. Um, there were things that were familiar about it, so like the the combat style was pretty simplistic, but it was just enough to keep me engaged and interested because it's on mobile. So it's like I don't need it to be too complex. Um, it's just something that I do while I'm passing time until it was something that I wanted to do in my spare time. Um, and then eventually I just sort of moved away from it because uh, there wasn't too, too much depth and I just sort of got tired of the game. But, um, right. So an, an interesting art style, it looked a lot like, um, if you want an, an example, look up uh, look up the art for this game. So look up the art for um, Brave Frontier, and then look up the art for 
Final Fantasy Tactics, and it's actually really, really mm-hmm. similar. Um, so I uh, that drew me right away. Um, and then there were just some like really interesting systems, and the extreme customization once you have a large stable of characters. And when I say a large stable of characters, I mean this game is still live. Uh, it's still online. Um, you can download it, but there's also like this enormous additional download after you get it off the app store that takes a really really long time so the entry to it now is actually pretty difficult you probably have more luck with the sequel that's coming out soon um but uh yeah um (laughs) that like it's just it's it's awesome there are so many different characters they're all colorful they had different abilities that you could access and unlock um and it was just a lot of fun making those different um, team compositions and seeing if they worked or not. Uh, a lot of the uh, the theory crafting, but uh, it was just so easy to get into a fight and just see if it actually worked that you didn't have to do quite so much theory. You could just like put a team together, test it, decide whether or not you liked it. But there's also like just a vast community online, like the wikis for this game that you could just go in and look and be like, okay, what ingredients do I need to make this piece of equipment that I can put on this guy? And then you can just find where it is, figure out how you need to farm it and um, do that. So um, something else that I forgot in core mechanics is this game also had like a stamina bar. So there was a stamina bar in this and if you played for too long you had to either pay or wait to play more which is not uncommon for most mobile games and i resent it so much (laughs) uh they already got a lot of money out of me anyway um so cons cons this game wants you to spend money um there are two ways to get characters in this game one is to uh, make friends with other players and then send them friendship points, um, oh. which is so fun. Sounds gross. Um, it's not hard. It's not hard to do because you spend a lot of time in game. You have the option to actually bring um, each fight in either story mode or any of the um, secondary modes. So like they're they're like uh, cash dungeons. Um, Evolu- or, uh, leveling up item dungeons um, rare character dungeons that you keep grinding until you get the character you want stuff like that every single part of those dungeons you can choose to bring an extra character from a list of other players so it's the, the character that the actual player okay. chooses to represent them so like the best in their team um and once you do that, at the end of the battle, you can choose whether or not you want to send a friend request, and your friend list fills up pretty quick. Also, what's dirty about this game is you can buy more friend slots for money. <laughs> you can buy more friend slots for money. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing, Stu. Um, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, also, if you feel like your um, character library is getting cl- crowded, buy more slots for that feel like your inventory isn't big enough buy more slots for that um yeah Mm -hmm. yeah this game really wants you to spend money um but when i i I didn't even finish so like you can buy there's two types of gotcha options 
Sometimes there's even more, uh, depending on if there's special promotions or not. But one is use friend points to get really kind of basic, shitty, low-level stuff that you either use as evolution materials or, like, leveling up materials. Like, you basically melt them down and power up your stronger guys. Um, or maybe you get really lucky and there's, like, a main character that you can get. But, it, th like, any of the special promotion characters, you're never going to find them in this mundane friend points <laughs> like option like you can get so far in the game but you're never going to get what you need unless you have some premium currency there are a number of ways to get premium currency and once you have it you can choose to do the premium gotcha option which basically grants you access to every single character uh, at every single power level in the game. And what you want to do is to increase your chances, you want to wait for the promotion that advertises the character that you want because it'll increase the probability of you maybe getting that character during a draw and then you use your premium currency until you get that character. And that is where the money comes from. And that's why I want to talk about gotcha games. That's why I want to talk. It's like it's the loot crate mechanic. If you yeah. don't understand what the loot crate mechanic is, but like this was one of the first gotcha games I ever engaged with. I was a little late to the smartphone revolution. Um, my first like really good smartphone uh, before the one that I had just before I got married was like a Blackberry and it was just a piece of trash and I didn't care. I didn't really engage with any of the, the internet stuff. Yeah. And it's so funny because like it wasn't until 2014 that I had a decent smartphone and then I started playing games on it and I realized that the mobile scene isn't something that people should ignore. I know that like air quotes, true gamers um, think it's a bullshit scene, but like, it exists. It's a thing. And there's some good stuff going on there. And there's some really gross, greasy, nasty stuff going on, nasty stuff going on there. And most gotcha games, um, like some people will put incredible polish on it, but at the end of the day, they're just, they're machines to try and make money. Um, and I just happened to fall for a machine that appealed to a number of, uh, my interests. And, uh, yeah, man. Um, what can I say that I learned about this game? Uh, I learned that if I attach a a any kind of bank account or credit card to to uh, to my phone, um, I can make some really bad decisions really quick. <laughs> yeah, really quick. I'm not even gonna hazard a guess at how much money I threw at this oh, game, but it go. was more it was more than you pay for a regular new release triple a game. game i'll promise you that i'm not saying that it was more than a console but uh to actually buying a new video game uh device but uh yeah it definitely over 100 um without question uh and it was just what what it would be is there would be new promotions i would go i would take a look at what the abilities of these new characters were if i felt like they fit into my team I would wait for the promotion for when they were available, and then I would just buy a bunch of premium currency and spend until I got them, right? Um, and then you grind them up, get them to the level that you want, only to have, like, new levels of abilities unlock, and then new, better characters get released, and... 
yeah, the the fact that the meta changed so often in the same way that uh, like Magic the Gathering meta changes, it's just sort of like, okay, you have that best deck or you have that best team or you have that best hand and then the next season hits and none of it nope. matters anymore. Yeah, yeah. And they're just trying to get you to spend more money to buy the new stuff. Um, and it like this was the first time I had encountered it on a cell phone. So it's like, you know, it's in my pocket, it's on me, it's in my shirt shirt pocket, like it's, you know, it's like sitting right beside me. Um, and I would play this game pretty religiously, right? Like I, I would access it at least once a day um, because there was a bunch of dailies that you could do. Uh, because <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Stu, but most mobile games uh, really like to, to put the dailies in because it gets you to come in and look at their promotions. Oh, yeah. Um, and man, like it's just interesting when you sit back and you think about how this model works. Like mobile, uh, okay. So this game, right? Like uh, Brave Frontier, which is still going and still making money somehow. Um, it's actually not that hard to figure out how, because like we're human beings and we have lizard brains, and this is how it works. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like the Skinner box thing. But um, Brave Frontier right like it's 2018 people are probably still throwing money at it right now because in north america at least the the next version there is a there's a sequel that got released in japan uh earlier this year but it's not coming uh stateside it's not coming to north america they're working on a specific north american um new version of this game so anybody who's who enjoys this game is still playing it um and the fact that the server hasn't gone down means there's enough people to make it economically viable. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that's, um, ooh, Chase Math. That's five years later. Five years later, <laughs> a five-year-old mobile game is probably still making hundreds if not thousands of dollars. Yep. <laughs> so, <sighs> crazy. Um, so, yeah... Yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to think, like, in terms of, like, tutorials, what's interesting is mobile games are very good at teaching you how to play them and engage with their systems, um, generally. I'm not going to say that that's the case for every single game, but especially Japanese games, they do a pretty good job of it. Uh, Japanese gotcha games, um... Uh, because they want you to get familiar with the systems. Also, most systems aren't that complicated. And part of the appeal of this game was it was a recognizable RPG format. So that's that's kind of why I got into it. Um, but it, it's just it's interesting to see how much effort they uh, like the for most mobile games. Those first few story levels are really tutorials. Like, it's not actually story. It's really just sort of teaching you how to play wrapped up in a little bit of a story mission. Um, and that's not too different from the regular format that you see in, in most other, like most other games. It's just, uh, I don't know. There's something about mobile where they almost do it better. Um, <laughs> like, it's just, it, it's just efficient and you're usually out of the tutorial pretty quickly uh you can also probably skip them like there's always the option to do that um but you probably just get like extra benefits if you actually complete them um 
What was also interesting about this game is it had a number of other different modes. So it had all those, uh, it had the story mode, it had um, a dungeon mode where you would just go and like farm for different materials or farm for different items. Uh, there was a arena mode where you would play against other people, so other actual players' teams. Uh, there was a raid mode where you would like attack enemy bosses and like it just kept sprawling more modes just kept getting added mm-hmm. y- year after year because um, I played this I I think I played this for almost um, yeah I don't know almost two and a half three years so I mean only really stopped a couple of years ago um, and uh, the the leveling systems were fun like it was you know, it was it was a JRPG, and if you enjoy grinding, then yeah, this is your thing. But also, like finding the complex and interesting combinations of like items and people that you would like smush to make like the super being <laughs> that was always really fun too. Um, and you got to learn how to do that. Plus, there was the wiki that was in place that if uh, if you couldn't find the ingredients, you could just look on there and then figure out where you had to go. Um, and that was really awesome. Is like learning that again. You know, it's too, it's the, you know, like 2013 to now, basically every mobile game for whatever reason has a wiki and people have taken time yeah. to flesh it out. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Um, but that's the world we live in. If there's any interest in a game, a wiki exists and it's usually pretty well put together. Um, but yeah, that's really it, man. Uh, what I learned from Brave Frontier is gacha games work on me, so I stopped <laughs> playing them. <laughs> Mostly. I still play them every now and again. Yeah. Oh, man. So any questions, Stu? Uh, any, any questions about the dark net? I guess that game specifically, is it possible to play without throwing money at it? Um, the secret to, uh, most good gacha games is yes, you can play all of them without throwing money at them because there are ways to get premium currency. You just have to Mm. play the game a lot. Okay. Yep. And the problem is most, most gacha games have a stamina bar. So it's a prohibitive amount of time. Yeah. Yes. So you can only play so much before you have to start throwing money at them to get the premium currency to buy the stamina back. And... I never did that. Uh, like the 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 actual limited play worked for me because it was just like something that I would do for a few minutes here and there. Um, until I really wanted to do something, like I really wanted to grind for something or get something during a special promotion, and that's when you might throw a little bit of money at premium currency and uh, go that extra mile. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I. I'm going to be honest with you. I can't think of a single um, gacha game, either Chinese, Korean, or Japanese, or even, I guess, North American, because there are a few North American companies that try to cash in on this as well, mm-hmm. and I can't really blame them, um, who uh, who don't provide a way of getting that premium currency slowly and inefficiently uh, through regular play. Most of them do it because they understand the the appeal that if if sorry that was my pen uh that if uh if they put the bait on the hook eventually you're just gonna bite Mm -hmm. yeah 
So there you go. Um, any other questions? Have you ever played a gacha game? No. Vindictus would be the closest. <laughs> yeah. Mm, it, they Yeah. And they really just wanted you to pay for, like, aesthetic stuff, which I think is probably the... No, and stamina. Stamina. Yeah, they really they wanted had that you to throw money system at them for stamina. Or something, yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine if League of Legends or Smite had a stamina system? Well, I can, but it, it, like, it that wouldn't would work. Yeah, yeah, I know. It'd be so stupid. It it's like it's a way for, it it's a reason for you to walk away from the machine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, all right. Well, that's all I got. Although man. people would probably take their ranked games more seriously. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So that's right. it. Well. Um, oh, I I felt kind of weird picking this game. Why? Um, is it, is it a... uh, I guess it no, not fucking nothing is as weird as doing Daikatana last week. So last week, last yeah, year. Well, no, was. if you ever do Honey Pop, then we'll have concerns. Do Honey Pop? Oh, is that when your hentai games on Steam? Uh, not mine. Not mine. You can thank uh, Robert Ring from the Classic Gaming Podcast <laughs> <laughs> for that one. Um, but. Uh, yeah, there we go. I'll thank him at the end of the, the end of the show as well. But uh, yeah, sorry. Okay, what do you got? What do you got for us? <laughs> sorry, I just had the wonderful idea of anonymously buying a bunch of hentai games and giving them to you on Steam. Oh my god! Just that would to be see horrible. what happens. I don't have to accept them. Uh, I don't. Yeah, probably. I don't not, have eh? to accept That's them. Too bad. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about Diablo three. There's nothing. That is not a weird game uh, to talk it, it about. It kind of is. So. We talked about Diablo 1 a long time ago when we were talking about, like, coming into online culture. Um, And Diablo 2 remains my favorite of the series. But today is Diablo 3 day. Um, (laughs) Okay, cool. Well, I'm excited. Like, I want to hear what you have to say, and I'm going to be able to contribute. So I, I hadn't played Diablo 3 in a long time, just to provide some context and maybe why I feel a bit weird about it. Uh, did extra life and one of the things that we did was a um, like a two hour race to see who could get the furthest in uh, through the campaign which was neat and fun and whatever and it's just you know every now and then you let a game sit for four years or whatever and then you spark it up and it just I don't know the, the draw was the appeal was there so I played it a bit the last week um and figured this game is never ever going to be this fresh in my mind ever again so i should probably talk about it now it's changed a bunch since i last had played it and uh yeah so diablo 3 is a diablo game it's a isometric view you control a hero one of x number of different classes you have crazy powers and you go and fight bad guys and demons and you chase diablo and you kill diablo because he's a bad guy um yeah it's basically like a quest to save the world in a fantasy setting um sword and magic stuff devils angels demons all that uh it's loot driven so you have a paper doll you have like an inventory that you equip 
weapons and like a million different armor pieces and rings and an amulet uh, and that's you know how you get your stats that's where you get your powers from each class has different skills that they can choose from so there's i think the barbarian yeah the barbarian is in there he can like jump around and does whirlwinds and freaks out goes berserk and frenzies and hacks things into pieces there's a mage that blows things up with like all the elements and a bunch of other classes, and that's, that's how it goes. Uh, those are the only two that matter to stew. Now, what else is there? There's a witch doctor. Uh, yep. There's a necromancer who's added recently. I haven't even seen the necromancer in play. Uh, there's the demon yeah, hunter who's like uh, a crazy archer, acrobatic archer. Um, and there's a monk who's a, an acrobatic stick wielder. We had a lot of fun with monks. Oh, wow. Monks were fun. Yeah, yeah. They made you feel badass. They did. Um, Although you had a lot of fun with the mage. I've never seen anybody like utilize the mage the way you did. <laughs> that was a, that was a <laughs> good time. great fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the game is kind of satisfying. The, the one thing that that game did well that uh, that I think – it did a lot better than most other games I've played. It was it had a very visceral feel to it? It was very satisfying to um, pull people into a black hole or drop meteors on them or like bludgeon them across the screen or it, there's something I don't know. They just like excellent, like, like as you would come to expect, excellent Blizzard animation that just felt very powerful, felt very visceral as you're as you're going through the game. Um, the loot mechanics. <laughs> when Diablo 3 launched, here's how they got money. There was a real money auction house when Diablo oh 3 God. launched. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's uh, yeah, awesome. I, I wasn't sure if I would breeze over that. But no, let's talk about this incredible, terrible, awful thing. Uh, initially, the game was really, really dry. And you couldn't very easily progress through the game. You couldn't find your own loot. Uh, drops were fully randomized. So it, it, there are a bunch of different primary stats in the game and you never knew if items that dropped were going to be for you or not. So what wound up happening is people would go out and farm. You get to max level and then you adventure through the high level areas and kill the biggest dudes you can to get a good chance of uh, really good items dropping. You pick them up, you identify them, you find out that you can't use them because they don't have the stats that you need. So you take them to the auction house and you sell them on the auction house and then you buy upgrades for yourself on the auction house. So for quite a while, the game is touted as an auction house game, auction house simulator with the Diablo 3 minigame because that's effectively, you got your power-ups through the auction house, which is not very satisfying. Um, but they also had it, uh, it was also a real money auction house. So you could pay in-game gold or you could transfer that gold with real money, or you could just spend real money on items. And thankfully, they capped the real money value of items at $250. <laughs> yeah. Because people were very quickly buying up $250 items, like left, right, and center. It was insane. Um, not only that, but initially it looked like they were just going to slowly creep up the, the item values of, uh, of items. So that this week, the most armor you could find on a shield is 800, and that item is going to sell for 250. Then next week, they'll bump it to 810. Now that 810 shield, no one has seen before, now that's going to sell for 250. And yes, of course, Blizzard takes a cut of every single transaction. 
but what wound up happening was the community exploded, got furious, and then the whole Real Money Auction House disintegrated. Uh, and eventually yeah. Blizzard got around to actually balancing the loot so that you were more likely to get loot that you could use because turns out that's why people liked the game. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Uh, what a surprise. Uh, so, yeah, uh, at this point, the game's changed quite a lot. Uh, now, after reaching max level, there are there, there are quite a few different things that you can do uh, while still playing the game proper. They, they've thrown in um, a dozen extra difficulty levels in and of itself that had the same, like, crazy scaling. So it, the game can get very difficult. Well, it's supposed to get very difficult. Uh, there are what they call rifts and greater rifts, which are basically just fully randomized dungeons that you have to go through, and after you kill so many dudes, the super boss spawns, and then you have a slugfest with the super boss, and then all kinds of great loot drops, and hooray, hopefully there's something good for you. Um, they have provided this, this weird cube thing, so now when you find... Uh, <laughs> They did a decent job with the unique with unique items. Uh, so item rarity. There are uh, shitty items, less shitty items, kind of shitty items, and then rare items, which are still kind of shitty, and then set items and unique items. So set items would be, you know, there are four pieces of armor, and if you wear them all, you get some super benefit that's, like, crazy awesome that you can't get anywhere else in the game. And that can have a big effect on your playstyle. And the unique items are just one item, uh, just specialized single items that can have the same effect. So they end up being what most people are looking for. And now they've they've thrown in things so you can like disenchant these unique items and just like keep the power in a pouch in your bag and you just have it forever and you don't have to use that item you just mm. get the legendary property so they've i think they were trying to expand a little bit what viable builds there were uh they never uh, they, they've always struggled with balance in this game in terms of uh people they have leaderboards to see who can do this, the hardest difficulty rifts and greater rifts. Those difficulties just scale up and up and up and up and up and up. And, up. and as long as you complete one within the allotted time, you gain access to the next level of it. So you just kind of keep doing harder and harder and harder stuff until you can't actually finish the dungeon. So these leaderboards um, kind of help you gauge where your build is, what people's, what the most popular builds are what items and legendaries everyone is using, what skills they have selected. Uh, unfortunately, it does still railroad most people into doing, you know, one or two different, one of two different builds for each class. Sometimes there's only one really viable build for a class, which is kind of frustrating. Um, but, I mean, that's that really only applies if you're, uh, if you actually care about your placement in the leaderboards, there are a ton of fun builds you can do with all the characters that <laughs> oh, you just stew. won't succeed as as big a number. But they're okay. Fun. But you you're leaving out the important part of the reason why some of those leaderboards are so important in analyzing what people are wearing 
and why those builds are successful is the hardcore option for Diablo 3. Oh, we're yeah, that's totally different. That's, that's It's not totally oh, different it, though. It is. It, like looking at whether other people are wearing at the highest level of play reflects how survivable you might be and you want to try and get that. Uh, it it's a little bit different because when you're pushing your higher level of greater rifts, uh, damage is the big thing. Like he, it, you okay. have to kill things as quickly as you can. And in soft core, that means you can be a little bit less tough. Uh, you can just right. Build so what's more the difference between damage. hardcore and soft core? Just for okay. people who don't. So know. a soft core character means, uh, well, you're going out and killing on these demons. They're not just standing around. They are also trying to eat your face. And in softcore, when they eat your face, you don't have a face, and then you have to respawn somewhere. So I think you can respawn in town or at your corpse or at the nearest something. Um, so you just kind of boop, pop back to life, and you get a few seconds to run around, I think. And then you phase back into existence because you're <laughs> super powerful and you're supposed to win. Um, in hardcore... Uh, the the demons eat your face and then you don't have a face and then you don't ever get up again because you don't have a face and your you your character your stuff? Your, no you, it's gone your character is dead oh, right. all their items are gone they'll stay in your menu so you can like click on them and see oh look at the shiny armor he was wearing but you can never ever bring them into a game ever again because they are dead and dead people aren't here anymore so when you're pushing greater rifts with hardcore characters, generally they don't get as high on the leaderboards. They are separate. Soft and hardcore leaderboards are maintained separately. The hardcore community is, I think it's like 5% of the, of the population. I'm kind of pulling that number out of my ass. I thought it was in the 5 to 10% range. <laughs> I read that I read that off of like a garbage source very recently. Oh, science. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Okay. Um I think it's safe I, I think it's you. safe to say it's a small part of the community. Um but because they're just there's so much more risk and they can't build full damage. They have to play more carefully. They just they don't get to push as far as the softcore characters do. Uh, softcore characters do. But, but the same thing applies. I think even in hardcore, there are builds that are fun to play that might not be in the top one or two in the leaderboards. And as long as you are careful with what you're doing and you start to understand you're pushing too hard, you're almost dying, you know, know your limit, play with it. <laughs> then, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, then, then you can still kind of explore some of the different builds and have fun with the different skill sets that are available. Um, yeah, I think that that's that's the gist of it. A lot of the game end game turns into deciding how you want to play and then finding the best gear for that play style. Now, at first, that means finding that you know that legendary item that gives you the skill that you want, and finding the set item that gives you the set of bonuses that you want. But once you have all of them, because it's a loot game, the idea is that. E each of these items have like six different random properties on them, but they're not the best six. You could do better. So you're supposed to go out and, you know, find whatever that wand is that you're using, find another wand that does, you know, an extra 5% damage or something like that. And then maybe that 5% damage with all your other multipliers 
is enough to help you get through, you know, one or two more rifts. Maybe you can mm -hmm. push just a little bit further. Maybe that armor that you have, if it has 30 more vitality or 500 more armor on it, maybe then you, you'll survive that next hit and you'll actually be able to push the next rift. And it's the lootiness kind of extends. Oh, and they have ancient items now. So what are so ancient I, items? I think it's one out of, it's 1%. I don't know the number on this either. 1% of items that drop. There's a 1% chance that it will be an ancient item. So it just has higher stats in general. So oh, okay, they're just better. So now you're trying to find the right stats on an ancient item of the kind that you already want. <laughs> and it's called the, it's called a unique item because it's unique, although it's not really unique. That does mean it's relatively difficult to find. Yeah. So now you're it's yeah, exceedingly difficult to find like the best of the best set. Mhm. Mm so very much a loop, hmm. very much a farmy game, very grindy. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, you've gotten this far without really uh, discussing multiplayer. Yeah, they, well, fortunately, it's only co-op up to four players. Uh, yes, fortunately. Not like previous Diablos yeah, which, where you which kill each other. PvP was totally open and PvP with hardcore characters, which, by the way, is awfully entertaining. Uh, yeah, if you're on the delivering end. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, indeed. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the first Diablo game without PvP, and yeah, I'm sure PvP was promised, and everybody said it was going to happen, and there were probably screenshots of, like, oh, this is PvP in Diablo, and then it was never a real thing. The game's not balanced for it. The, the classes aren't balanced for it. I don't think it would make much sense. It would be really difficult for them to pull off, especially now that Diablo 3 is a little bit, a little bit old. Mm -hmm. Yeah... Yeah. And yet it just got released on Switch and is selling at full price. Oh, yeah. It'll sell like hotcakes. <laughs> yeah, Blizzard games never really go on sale. You'd no, probably still have really to pay don't. like 40 bucks for StarCraft 1. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, Warcraft 3 is coming back. Yes. I actually read they recently took that off of their classic games portal because yeah, they're because remastering they're it. They're going to remastering yeah. it. Yep. Yeah, that was one of the big announcements at BlizzCon. Maybe should have saved that one for last instead of Diablo. Just, just saying. Um, for yeah, because a lot of people still really enjoy that game. I would be more excited about an HD remake of Number Two, two instead of Number Three because I really, really enjoyed Number Two over Number Three. Everyone, the hero mechanics just rubbed yeah, against me the wrong I, way. Like everyone that I know preferred Two to Three. I, 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 don't, <laughs> I don't know where this market is that preferred Three, but. Like that. There are people who really liked it. Yeah. Um, I actually, what I what I would love to see is like somebody taking one and two, mushing them together and remaking that because that would be really really good. Because the campaigns, I mean, the writing was kind of hokey, but um, I don't know. I just, I guess I just sort of miss a fantasy based. Um, RTS yeah. from Blizzard, and let's be honest, like the market for a triple A RTS from Blizzard, uh, I don't know if it's there anymore, man. Um, I I mean, people would buy it if they released it. Who am I kidding? People yeah. would buy it, but where else is it going to come the, from? Like, no, nobody <laughs> else is touching RTSs. That's not true. Very few other um, people are touching the, RTSs. The, the Homeworld guys did a good job. Oh. I I hear that. Mm. 
their most recent game, The Desert, the one where it's like you're not in space, you're you're in a desert. That one's supposed to be really good. I want to check that out, but it, it hasn't gone on sale. Um, and I've learned not to pay full price for RTSs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny that. Um, but you're, yeah, you're right. It, I mean, there was a time where PC RTSs were a huge money maker. I just, it's a, uh, it's a bit of a harder sell these days. Um, and also, not a lot of people are doing it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think it's it's hard to imagine how to be innovative in that space, and nobody wants to sit down and figure it out because it's a gamble, and nobody wants to gamble anymore in video games. Yeah. Um, like it, development in video game development. Um, and, and it's almost like StarCraft has like the stranglehold over South Korea, like it's it's hard to overcome a culture with your video game. <laughs> you well, know? I, th- and I think the problem is like, uh, and don't quote me on this cause it's, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I'm pretty sure most curriculums for, uh, professional video game schools probably train with Starcraft or Star- Starcraft two. Right, unless the regiment is shifting and they're moving into uh, MOBAs, in which case, you know, choose the the flavor of choice, and then you just go to that school or take that class. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the, the, we're we're talking about a culture that actually has schools, like educational institutes, dedicated to training you to be a gamer, um, a professional gamer. So, um, when we were following. Um, that scene, I remember when you and I still lived together, I think you were watching the documentary on one of the, the most popular players who was making the shift from one to two. And that was when they were talking about the actual schools that had started taking off. And I'm pretty sure those schools at the time were, were training in, uh, Starcraft one and Starcraft two had just come out. If you can remember that far back, I know it's, Um, it's been a few years. No, that, that doesn't actually ring a bell. Um, oh gosh, I'm yeah. trying to remember who the player was. Uh, hmm, um, okay. Uh, I, well, I mean, if you can't remember the video, I remember the video pretty well because like his girlfriend was worried about him cause he wasn't eating properly. Um, was his name Slayer or something? Boxer? Uh, it could have been Boxer. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, you're, you're watching a documentary on him. Um, but anyways, that it was many years ago when we lived together. One of us could have been drunk. <laughs> Probably both of us. Box of wine may have been involved. Um, not my drink of choice, but your, it was yours for a while. I don't know if it still is. Uh, so, things I learned from Diablo. <laughs> Box of wine. Um Yeah, it it was fun. There's a bit of exploring around with different classes, different builds. There's not much you can do about grinding for loot. That's like just like an unfortunate thing that has to be done in that game. I think it's a little bit easier now. That is such a weird thing to say because it is literally the game. Yeah. <laughs> like well, it's, it's not an unfortunate it, thing that has to be done. Like the joy comes from doing it. If it that depends. Uh if you enjoy See, because sometimes, again, the, the set bonuses or the legendary items can change the way you play the game. 
it can have a direct yes. impact on what skills you're using. So you, it might be more effective for you to use Magic Missile for a while until you find the item that is going to make Meteor better for you. So if you want to use Meteor, but you can't kill anything with Meteor, you're stuck using Magic Missile until you can until you actually find that item that says, okay, now Meteor is okay. So That's an interesting point. So yeah. the game kind of restricts your builds a little bit in that sense. Um, from what I saw in the season, it, I, after you play for a little while, there's a bunch of different achievements that you can run. And once you do X number of achievements, they actually send you, like in-game mail, they'll send you one of the sets, a full set. Oh, that's awesome. So, that's a nice well, step. Yeah. That wasn't in place when we were still playing, yeah. what, like two or three years ago? Yeah. Uh, which, yes, is a fantastic way to jumpstart um, finding your gear, finding the gear that you want. But that's still, that that is such a, like, not using the set that they give you would be, like, pure folly. The powers that you would get from that set are through the roof at that point. So they kind of railroad you into, okay, this is this the play style that you have to follow if you want to succeed now. It's like it's exponentially greater in power than what you will have before then. So of course you're you're gonna want to use it, even if it's not the way you want to play. It's the way you're gonna have to play if you don't want to spend thirty hours finding your next gear. And that is that to me is I mean that that's the reality of loot-based games, but it doesn't necessarily make it pleasant. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but the, and and now trading's not a thing at all in Diablo three anymore. So if you find something, I th- or is it? I think it's just bounty your account. Maybe not. I don't even know. Clearly, I haven't engaged in any trading, <laughs> yeah. so as far as I'm I was going to say, you've, you've probably just been playing single player, so you wouldn't know. Um, um, no, it's always online. There is no single player. Right, but nobody else is playing with you, so why would you trade? Yeah. Um, I know I know. back when we were doing group stuff, if you found a thing, you could give it to other people in your party within an hour. Yeah, you could you could drop it or trade it. Um, but again, if you're only playing single player right now, you wouldn't be able to test that out to, to know for yeah. sure. Um, yeah, I've you know got some great stories that came out of playing hardcore, <laughs> hardcore riffs. <laughs> like that time I uh, I took a walk with my <laughs> with my um, witch doctor into a group of people i really shouldn't have sounds like something Um, you would do (laughs) yeah it all it all really just ends the same way which is and then i lost my hardcore character Mm -hmm. um but uh yeah it's it's a great experience um and your like your friends uh um au gamers like they it was a great community when they were all like balls deep in it yeah. when they were all interested in, in engaging with it and playing playing it it was a really really good time to be a part of yeah. that um and it was easy to do it like everybody was enjoying themselves everybody was sort of pushing themselves to get further um 
and helping each other right like and yeah. and that was really nice like having a, a large group of friends even though you can only have parties of like four or five you could have like three or four groups of people actually playing in in separate like separate, separate settings games, but, um, yeah. but uh yeah that was that was good i liked i liked that and i enjoyed seeing it it uh, you know what um even with all the bs that came out of blizzcon with the the blizzard mobile uh diablo <laughs> game coming yep. out like i'm still interested to know about diablo 4 what that's going to look like yep. what party sizes are going to be um because w- let's let's be real when blizzard releases the next diablo people are going to play yep. it and i'm hoping that they have taken all of the metric data that they got with diablo 3 because now they have a lot and just make the best version of that game with some new ideas. Be careful with how you phrase that, because that most people are under the impression that that's what they did with StarCraft 2. They tried to mathematically repeat the magic of the original StarCraft, and they fucked it up. And it took a while before they, the community rallied behind StarCraft 2. Well, what do you think they did with Diablo 3? Right, like they fucked it up at launch. They they thought that they number one they wanted to use it as a, as a, a financial device, a financial mechanism that they could gain from, and it took I would say what a good year, year and a half, maybe even two it, before Diablo three was even playable. Like yeah. before anybody wanted to go back to it because mo- the campaign people. wasn't. Yeah, the campaign. Like, if you were interested in the lore, then cool, you played through the campaign and then you stopped. You didn't touch it again. Yeah. Right, bounties came in, um, and most of the playability came in when they kicked out the expansion, Reaper of Souls. Yes, and I, yeah, I don't Reaper know how much longer that took, but that was kind of the the community kind of accepted the but, game a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm just saying, release something that's Reaper of Souls quality to start, maybe. But le- like, let's be real. If it's coming from Blizzard, people are still gonna be interested in yeah. it and will be forgiving of it. Well, mm, I mean, maybe not forgiving of it. Like, it will get criticized. It'll get the time of day. But they everyone. will go back to it, yeah. right? Like, because one of the few things that Blizzard has been good at is consistently getting their games to a playable state where people enjoy it and will stick it out. So, yeah. Yeah, they've never released something and then kind of dropped it embarrassed no. about it. If you think about the support cycle for if you think about the support cycle for Diablo 3, like think about when that game came out and where it is now. I mean, it's seen two expansions, like two successful expansions. Um but I don't think you or I ever expected that the Necromancer expansion would come. We all just sort of thought that it was reverse souls and that was it right um did, like did you ever imagine they would they would have like a second major expansion for that game because i sure didn't i don't know how major it was wasn't it it was really just, it the, just character, the character wasn't it? yeah 20 bucks for a character or something like that of course blizzard would be all over that well i mean they're selling skins and heroes hmm. for 10 bucks yeah that's a good point <laughs> um the community wanted a necromancer so badly like yeah, it was one of the true. favored classes I for so long. I want to go back and check it out because I want to play the Necromancer. He was he was my favorite for number two, and the the Witch Doctor kind of D- scratched that itch, but not do really. It the same, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. you're making so, me want to install. Well, just 3. go install it then. Um, 
<laughs> I'm not your mom. Uh, uh, no. So you're not. So yeah. Uh, so you get to learn grinding. Um, there's a little bit of build optimization you get to learn from. You can read guides for that if you want. You can play with friends, make it a little bit easier. I will always, always, always recommend if you've never played a game with a hardcore character, do it. It is so the experience is so much more I don't know how words worth it. It's I don't really know why. I think just that there's a little bit more thrill when you actually have something to lose, even if it's just a couple hours of your time. It's still yeah, it's just a it's that little bit more exciting to kind of ride the line. You're always worried. Any, anything uh, bad can happen at any time. Like, just do it a little bit. Don't commit your life to it because uh, Blizzard servers aren't good enough for that and you'll lose your fucking mind. But, like, try it for a while. Hmm. Hmm. It's <laughs> worth it. It is worth it. Stop yeah i I do yeah no yeah i was gonna say i do have i do have some good memories um but i mean they the the end state of all of those memories is i die you have Um, nothing left but those memories (laughs) yeah but there's i don't know there's it's like it's like that with most games though right i mean some Mm. 10 years ago you played a thing and you did a thing whatever it doesn't really mean anything but the memory is there yay it's like the memories yeah. of all your hardcore characters. <laughs> the ones that mattered. The ones that lasted more than an yeah. hour. Yeah, good fun. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't think there's anything else I could rig over this game. No, that's okay. That, I like, think that's we've, it. We've yeah. touched on a lot. Um, it's... For uh, Hack and Slash, uh, it has a respectable amount of depth. Uh, the customization for gear is huge, mm-hmm. and it's really great to experience and experiment. Um, yeah. But, like, at the end of the day, it's it's a, uh, an action-adventure RPG yeah. Hack and Slash. So it's, it's, yeah, know. at the high end, I guess it's quick enough pace that hand-eye coordination is a big deal there, too. Yeah. Good but, point. Uh, actually, really good point, and especially reaction, and, hardcore and characters. reaction times, because, man, don't stand in the purple. <laughs> nope. No. 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 And yeah. watch out for the people who reflect damage. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. there's a video on YouTube of me uh, <laughs> doing a stampede charge with the Templar into, or a Crusader, whatever they're called into a pack of reflect damage guy and just instantly exploding it's fantastic <laughs> that sounds horrible um but also yeah um i think i made the same mistake with my monk um yeah things just <laughs> escalate mm-hmm. escalate so quick in that game you think you can take on hordes and then you just die well, that, yeah it's, it's the thing about paying attention to those modifiers like you have to be able to see those things quickly you have to be able to take in that information because yeah you're running through packs you're destroying everything, and then out of nowhere, you die so quickly, and it's so it can be confusing. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Okay. Uh, do you want to shift away? Was there anything else you wanted to say? Like any parting remarks? I'm surprised I said that much, to be honest. <laughs> you did good. You did. You done good, Stu. Um, 
Okay, well then uh, let's let's shift into the next section. <laughs> this is the saddest section right now. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, what can you teach us? Um, make make this section less sad. Make me a less salty being. Um, just send us an email. Send us an email at uh, our wonderful wonderful email address, which is learn from gaming podcast at gmail.com um because this section of the podcast is where we would read those emails and we haven't got one in a while we're we're going through a bit of a drought so um makes makes you smile yeah <laughs> and send send us in an email we don't care we don't care what it says we'll we'll enjoy it regardless of if it's uh inappropriate or Super personal um, yeah no yeah uh, ask us know. personal questions We'll tell you. We'll tell and you. You'll regret yeah. it. Because <laughs> we will. He's not tell kidding. <laughs> He's not kidding. Um, yeah. So just uh, again, feel free. Feel free to just email in or um, yeah, contact us independently. Um, you know, not letter mail. That'd be kind of weird uh, if you know where we live. But um, yeah. Okay. So then I guess we'll just shift into the next section, which is uh, what we've been playing. So, Stu, what have you been playing aside from Diablo Three? Um, let me quick check. Probably just a little bit of um, yeah, Hexels, which is my go-to-bed game, similar to yes, the Mindsweeper Tetris. Um, it's the Tetris of your yeah, go-to-bed yeah. game. Yeah. Um, a little bit of Smite. Yep. Um. Yeah. That's really. That's it. Uh, I did. I did okay. end up uh, at Extra Life. I did end up playing some Payday Two. I did another heist, which was neat. There are new difficulty levels, which changed things, but everything was good. Um, and I actually That's played a little bit of Battle Right. Battle Right. What is that? It's kind of like an arena fighter where you have uh, four, five, or six different skills, and you're yeah, it's you're in an arena with a buddy. You have different classes okay. to pick from, dirt characters, whatever. They all have different skills. Cool. You smash each other into pieces, and then the last team standing <laughs> wins. It is Kennedy. Sounds yeah, great. It was, it was yeah. Like a quick, nice way to throw away an hour. Just play mm-hmm. something. That's it. Cool. Okay. How about you? Cool, 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 cool. Um, I just shut my script. Okay, there we go. Um, So... Uh, still playing a little bit of Mario Party. There's a bunch of unlockables, so I'm just I'm trying to unlock some of the yeah. characters. Um, uh, by myself, like uh, I was playing it with Catherine for a little bit. That was awesome, but um, she hasn't she hasn't been playing it with me lately. Uh, we've both been really busy doing other stuff, so I just try to get it in when um, I'm upstairs and Henry's asleep or something. Um, played some Castlevania Rondo of Blood, which was originally for the PC Engine CD. Uh, never came over to North America to be on the Turbo Graphics. Um, so, uh, but it is now part of a um, collection called Castlevania Requiem, along with Symphony of the Night for PS One. So it's uh, like Rondo of Blood is, um, in terms of Castlevania, is like the 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 8 to 16 to free uh, symphony of the night like just the the straight not any rpg mechanics style kind of play uh, it's it's suggested to be the best castlevania um 
which is, you know, up for debate, but uh, I, I played it, or I, I haven't played through all of it, but I was playing it. it it's well put together. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, you can't whip the whip around like you can in Super, Super Castlevania, but uh, it's still it's still pretty fun. And then I jumped into Symphony of the Night. I keep having, like, these soft starts for that game and then just not getting to a save point. Oh. And it's just, like, it's the nature of my life. Like, it's not the game. Like, oh, okay. I really want to get into Symphony of the Night. It's just yeah. I'll start playing. It's got a really long intro leading up to the... Um, the the first save point which i've never found um <laughs> which is why i've never saved um and the problem is like each time you start that game you play the last fight of rondo of blood which is you fight dracula as um i think it's richter belmont or trevor belmont i can't remember who as a belmont um and then you shift over to alucard dracula's son um and then you have to get your power stripped and then you start wandering through the castle um, and these are not big spoilers. That's the beginning of the game. Um, also, incredibly old games. Like, <laughs> you can look this stuff up online or, like, whatever. I'm not spoiling Castlevania. Um, also, nobody's ever complained about that. If I spoiled Castlevania for you, send us an email. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so, yeah, I just I can't get to that save, which means that I just keep playing uh, that that end fight for a rondo of blood and then like getting my powers taken away um over and over and over again um so i mean i'm enjoying them i'm enjoying both games um and I'm, i want to get further into symphony of the night i really want to sink my teeth into that one haha see what it did um but uh aside from that played a little bit more stellaris i'm giving my uh I'm giving my uh, Calibrix Automated Core another go. I wanted to see if there was a way to integrate with organics um, other than the Borg option, which is the the only way that you really understand organics is by trying to emulate them, which means assimilating them into your... um, (laughs) your culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you you pull a, a... uh, Star Trek Next Generation Borg mm. sort of thing. Um, and what I've noticed, because I've actually um, restarted as the machines two or three times now, and there is this one technology, which is a, an organic interface technology that you can get right near the start of the game. Um, and I keep just neglecting it, and then it never shows up again. <laughs> um, yeah. And I'm just like, is this the gateway to actually being able to engage with organics and have them in my empire? Um, because like when you get synthetic Dawn, which is the expansion that allows you to play artificial intelligences or like machines as, as playable characters, um, like engaging with organics is hard. It's hard to, to do it effectively. Like you can engage in diplomacy, but if they're in your, if they're in your empire, um, it's really, really hard to figure out what to do with them unless you have the trait that you change them into cyborgs, um, against their will, I might add. Like it's, it's, it's a purge action. It's hideous and people actually are scared of you for it. Or you're just like this, you know, like you just purge them, like you eliminate them because they're inefficient. 
Um, yeah, I I really feel like there's there's something there. I'm not sure if when I get that technology, it will lead to anything else. But it at very least, it creates a building on my planet um, to help address things. So um, it's sort of like a control center for organics. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I just I wanted to know what kind of solutions existed, how I could start having that conversation in the game with, like, my incredibly <laughs> complex robot minds. Um, and I'm not seeing it. Uh, but also, I'm really, really excited about Stellaris because the next expansion coming is coming out soon. It's called Mega Corporations. Um, so there'll be a baseline update to the game that will completely change the economy and then make a corporations. If you actually get the, the purchasable, uh, DLC, it allows you to make factions that are actually large mega conglomerates, like major corp, major corporations, okay. um, including and not limited to, um, illicit pirates. So you can make a pirate empire. Um, and how megacorps work is um, it's not so much about expanding and being like the biggest physical empire. How megacorporations work is you open up branches on other people's territory. So yours is a cultural uh, okay. yeah. influence. Yeah. Um, and for most organizations, you have to have permission to open up a branch. So you like diplomacy is a big deal. You want to be able to engage with these people. And when you put those branches on their planets, like you, you'll probably want it to be on a large planet. Um, it's going to be lucrative for both of you. But at the end of the day, you're going to be the one making most of the money because that's the whole point. Um, what's really interesting is if you choose to be a pirate empire, you don't ask you just set up shop and the amount of money you're getting off of these planets is based on how much crime and uh, dissent is occurring on the planets. And every single building you build encourages increased crime. So the more crime that there is on the planet, the more positive modifier there is to making money on the planet. Um, it's, it's just, it's an interesting, an interesting spin on it. Like it's just one more, one more, uh, layer um and it will make it like it doesn't sound awesome for the single player but like i'm starting to watch more and more uh videos on people who actually play it multiplayer oh, okay. and um there's this one video that's out right now it's um 20 of the devs all playing together um and there's only one pirate faction but that one pirate like everybody is just sort of like being polite and sort of satiating him because he made a bunch of money really early on. He bought a bunch of uh, ships from like this wandering uh, caravan group. So like, he's actually really powerful. It's, it's sort of like an actual um, like mobster or like his, the, the faction's name is the family. And it's like, you don't want them to move into your part of town. <laughs> so you pay them to stay where they are. 
<laughs> so um, it's interesting to see the way that everybody handles them. Like some people don't even know they exist, but uh, the people who do are just sort of like, okay, either we give them money or we just do something to keep them happy because we don't want them setting up shop in our territory ever. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really like the the actual human game changes. Um, but like in, in single player, I don't think it would be that significant. I think like you would set up shop and maybe somebody would get upset because the only way you can get rid of those buildings, those branch buildings is basically declaring war. Yeah. Uh, Cause then you can just purge them. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I just, I love the way this game is progressing, the directions it's taking. Um, I haven't really encountered one that I was just like, I don't really agree with this. There are people who got a little upset about, changing uh space travel for the game like the the yeah, hyperlanes yeah, yeah, yeah. versus but uh, in it terms of strategy so it makes game, sense yeah it it rains stuff in it uh makes everything more manageable it's, like hyperlanes it's it's a road yeah, it streamlines streamlines everything yeah you can create bottlenecks like it it in terms of tactics it's actually really valuable um what they were doing initially was really ambitious and i and respect really, them for trying it was it, fucking but cool like you yeah. have to give it that it was really it was a fantastic concept and who's to say it won't come back it might come yeah. back um and there are still texts that you can get in the game that uh allow you to really uh muck with transport really, yeah <laughs> and i think i think there's actually technology that's coming out in this game that allows you to discover new hyperlane networks so like like new branches Oh, um, I had never seen that. Yeah, so I, I don't 100% quote me on that. It's just I was listening to the devs talk, and it's a technology that they're thinking of um, of releasing with this expansion. That um, Your choke point is a choke point no more. <laughs> yes. You basically open up a new stick, like a new lane, to somewhere else, to another nearby star. Um, th- I think that that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Okay, so hey, you know what? I talk about Stellaris a lot every time I, I get the opportunity <laughs> to, so we're going to stop. Uh, the other game that I'm playing is Starlink uh, for the Switch, which is a Toys to Life game. I encourage anybody who doesn't know what it is to look it up. Stu, do you know what it nope. is? Okay, don't worry about it. Look it up if yeah. you're interested, um, or we can talk about it some other time. But uh, yeah, other than that, um, that's that's what I've been doing. So there you right. go. Okay, cool. Um, d- I think we're going to bring this baby to a close then, if that's okay with you. I believe so. Cool. I'm going to burp into the mic nice. first. Uh, nice. So um, thank you for taking... Ta- oh, I almost did it, it again. Thank you for taking the time to listen, Stu and the audience. Are you all right? What's yeah, wrong? No, I was, I was just helping you say take. Okay, yeah. Um, and... Um, I, I hope that you have enjoyed your visit. This has been one of the like weirder <laughs> episodes. Things have been a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, I got a little awkward at the start, maybe. Um, but um, Stu, did you have anything to plug this week before we wander off into the darkness? Um, there's a game coming out very soon called Underworld Ascension. I don't know enough about it yet, but it looked like a small-ish team. And they have, I, th- I think, ambitious ideas in terms of 
dungeon generation and emergent gameplay and i'm not yet it's coming out over the next like Unity. couple of days I, i'm tomorrow or no two days it's coming out in okay. two days yeah and uh it's just something i want to keep my eye on also we should uh and you and i should it's the sequel to ultima underworld yeah. wow yeah cool. it's 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 that whole um realm okay very cool um but we should i think i think we should try to find a day to play ai war 2 i think that would be interesting and i think we we could probably pull a bunch of shit to talk about yeah i'm thinking like yeah uh you and i have already uh kind of talked about it but uh uh, I'm I'm hoping that we can do it next. Yeah, month. And I'm just I'm just saying that here now because if anybody else is interested in that, that's that's a game that's uh, not made worse with more players. I don't think can be uh, yeah. interesting with a bigger group. Yeah, it's it's made. Oh, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> yes and no. It'll it'll be a little more challenging, but it's, I it's just I, different. Uh, yeah. I agree. I agree. Okay. Um, cool. And um, yeah. Think, uh, uh, yeah. Anything I else? I think that's. I think that's it. <laughs> okay. Um, so for me, uh, I'm gonna thank Dimitri for our intro slash exit music. Um, I'll also thank uh, Joe for most of the art that we use uh, for the podcast. Um, and by most, I mean all of it. Um, and I want to thank you, Stu, for your patience, your kindness, and your insight in all things. Um, <laughs> and if you want to know more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, uh, right now we've got some social media stuff. So we've got Facebook, we've got Twitter. Um, I update those anytime I release a an episode or anytime that... Uh, I guess anytime that we feel we need to say something. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're also on iTunes. We're on Google sound, which means we're sort of on like the whole spectrum of things. Um, and, uh, yeah, just keep an ear out for us. Um, hoping to start thinking about what to do for the website at some (laughs) point, but it's just not been on my radar. I've been way too busy. Um, So other than that, um, again, I just want to say thanks for joining us and tune back in soon. Oh, yeah. Hope you liked it. (laughs) Have have a good, have a good everything. I just didn't say bye. I didn't say bye. I didn't say bye or things. We're done. We're done. 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 So I got it. (laughs)